This is Queen speaking. What's the difference between a boss and a queen? When you're a queen, you're owning every aspect of your life. From work, to money, to relationships, there are no boundaries. You can't pause who you are. The challenge is how to own it. What makes you, you? We're in this together. Let's break out of our comfort zone and learn the tools to rise to our own potential. Hit your goals, then set the bar higher. Ready to join us? Hey, Sid. Hey, Brian. How you doing? I am so good. How are you? So great. So good. (laughs) (laughs) What is your update this week? My update this week is that I just discovered Pinch of Yum, which is a blog, a food blog, and I'm upset it took me so long to find out, and I'm more upset with you for not telling me about that. I've been sleeping on this one. <laughs> a really long time. I went and looked, I'm, she's, this woman is fully, I don't know what her name is, I just know her as Pinch of Yum. She does great videos. She. The reason that I was drawn to her is that she has these frozen recipes that mm-hmm. I'm super excited to try out, but like frozen soups frozen chicken things that you can just pull out, heat up, make it happen. And what I really like about the frozen stuff is that it's a crock pot. So she says where how you freeze everything. And then the setting that you need to put everything either for the instant pot or for the slow cooker from a crock pot. And I was just so excited. And I can't believe I have never heard of this person. <laughs> and I feel so behind. It's a, it's a shame. I have a lot of pinned recipes that are from a pinch of yum. And I'll be even more upset if you tell me that you've brought them to food and wine night. Probably. And not shared the, the place they came from. Yeah. Well, now we know for the future. This may be the year of uh, the chest freezer, finally. Oh. I'm inspired by these frozen recipes that you're telling me about. I really, I mean, again, because as I'm getting back into school mode, I need to like stand track because now it is, I have three days of classes that are all physically in class, which is going to be a much harder adjustment than like one hybrid and one online. And I am looking forward to the classes that I'm taking but it will definitely be an adjustment to have to be in class physically. So the frozen meals I feel like are going to be like either for lunches or for dinners, a very good friend of mine. I feel like it's really helpful too because, and I know we've talked about the meal prep vibe for a while now, but sometimes there are times where, and I feel like this is what ends up resulting in the Grubhub or the Mm -hmm. like let's order delivery because sometimes you don't want to put the effort into like, a full meal or like you're sick of what's in your fridge yeah but if you had something delicious already prepared in your freezer then you're good to go like a surprise lasagna that would be if i came home to a surprise lasagna i might start crying yeah (laughs) because i imagine toward the end of the semester and somebody pulls out a surprise frozen lasagna i'm just gonna go ahead and break down (laughs) because that is just going to be the best (laughs) because i already anticipate that's where i'm going to be but that is what I'm super excited for, is that these frozen recipes, and, and it looks like she's got a lot going on on there. Oh, yeah, so many good recipes. So many. And they're so well, like, so well put together. Mm-hmm. I mean, the photography, which all matters to me more than I ever thought it would, but I don't want to make something that looks bad, even if it tastes good. And she seems to do her due diligence when it comes to making sure all of her food not only tastes delicious, but looks like it tastes delicious. For sure. So... What about you, Bron? I have gotten back into some TV watching after a long TV break, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which was necessary. I think I was overdoing it on the binging. Sure. 
running way too fast through series. <laughs> <laughs> whole whole series in one night kind of a thing? Yeah. Um, I am addicted to Netflix. <laughs> it's fine. I get that. <laughs> um, but this was, it was necessary because I wanted to get back into like picking something that made me feel that kind of like brightened the day at the end of the day um, or on the weekends just to like a little comedic break. Mm-hmm. And I am loving the Goldbergs. You know, I haven't I haven't taken the time to watch The Goldbergs, but I've heard it's really, really good. It's amazing, and it's about a family in the 80s, <laughs> and it is hilarious because, so I was a little bit too young for a lot of this stuff, but it's like pop culture references to hilarious things, and the mom is very overbearing, and the dad is like not so great at being a dad, but it like <laughs> is really humorous, and the kids are great, and I just love the dynamic of everybody and how outrageous it is, but it's based on Adam Goldberg, the creator, his like um... real family dynamic. <laughs> That's really funny. Which makes it like, when you think about like, oh, because you there are little moments where you're like, I can relate. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then other times you're like, that's just so crazy. Can that even be real? And it's like, it probably was. Did they? I want to know if he like has ever done an interview with his family members, if they are still with us, where we can like see them in action. Because I they, feel like that would be really funny. At the end of a lot of the episodes, they do mini clips from like past videos, home video stuff, (laughs) um, which is extra hilarious and sometimes photos of his family members. So uh, the mom in the show always has like ridiculous sweaters and like so much shoulder pad happening. It's crazy. And then like, you're like, there's no way that his mom wore stuff like this. And then there's a photo at the end of the episode of like his mom in like a full on like rose covered giant outfit. You're like, that was the 80s though. (laughs) And she rocked it, I bet. So if you want a little comedic breather after a long work day, I personally am a huge fan. It's something that I watch solo because Dan is not a fan. We started watching it together. He wasn't into it. And he didn't love it as much as I did. So it's my thing, which I think I like better. Well, sometimes you need a thing that's just yours because then you can watch it anytime and not have to wait for the person to be ready. And this is one of those things where it's like there's no flow. It's Mm -hmm. like only basically. You can like pop in and out of it and not miss anything. See, that's the kind of show I need. So those those are nice additions to the... Uh, occasional, I just want some good laughs. I'm going to start watching that. I'm doing it. Do it up. I need a show before all my other shows start. (laughs) (laughs) My other shows are on break right now, so (laughs) I need a filler. Perf. I'm doing it. So uh, what's inspiring you this week, Bron? January is planning month, full intense mode of getting everything in check. I feel like these last few weeks have been going great. Um, (laughs) That's cute. (laughs) um, But I am signed up for a lot of business newsletters, and the theme of January is always like, hey, let's get everything started. Do everything better. (laughs) Strategy. Plan your year. Get everything situated. Um, And obviously, in one of those recent newsletters, Rising Tide took to the theme of New Year, New You. Mm. (laughs) They Mm -hmm. shared a 2019 guide for strategic planning for small businesses. And I loved the way that they broke. um, It was a free download because, you know, they want you to 
buy their HoneyBook features, <laughs> which maybe one day. So they'll throw you a freebie every here and there. Um, but it's really cool to think about the way things that we had talked about with our vision planning for Queen Speaking and what we're working toward with our own growth plans and just thinking about different things that we might be able to do and what are the things that are actually helpful in terms of resources that we can rely on and things that we can um, take advantage of. But I love that the way the way that they broke down this specific guide was um, really pulling in tips from different community members through Rising Tide and HoneyBook. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's a really great resource for entrepreneurs if you're trying to like get some tips or find specific ways to update or like have a good vision or you know business plan whatever it is that you're developing I think um, they have a a lot of really good helpful content especially on their blog Um, so this was something that uh, I thought was helpful and if you're in the business mindset take a peek that's awesome that's very helpful so we'll share that in the show notes sure thing queenspeaking.com slash 52 those numbers just keep getting higher (laughs) higher (laughs) what's inspiring you i also have been watching some tv which should be a surprise to no one (laughs) shocked the (laughs) the newest show i am somewhat obsessed with is called tidying up with marie kondo we love marie we love marie kondo so it's based on the book the life-changing magic of tidying up and the whole book is based around how taking steps to organize your, the like, I think it's four or five different parts of your home and your life can lead to, like, happiness and um, comfort and just calmness, like, within you. The show kind of follows a few different families. I think there's maybe eight to ten episodes, maybe. I'm only two in, already having tears. But they follow different like families or couples or whoever on their journey to tidying up and talks about and she goes in and she talks to them about what her process is and why it works and and why she believes in it. And then they go through and they do the work themselves where they're sitting with their stuff and doing the whole organization thing. So I think of it as kind of a queer eye, but Marie Kondo as queer eye because it has that same feel good where there's an end result that you're satisfied with the Mm -hmm. end of it and I think that was always the thing for Queer Eye was that it was this awesome show with these great people that were very um followable like you wanted to know what they were doing you wanted to just attach yourself to them and I feel like Marie Kondo has that same kind of vibe where you're just like let me learn everything I can from you and have that like feel goodness from both the show and the people on the show love it and so it's been really good again only two episodes in didn't didn't binge it yet I'm trying to like make this one last really stretch it for all it's worth (laughs) (laughs) but it does it does have some tears it has some real realness from the first couple episodes that I've seen. And you know I love some real realness with a side of tears. <laughs> so that is um, what I'm into, and it's given me life these days. And are you going to put the practices in action? I had the book. I still have the book. I did try to put the practices into action. <laughs> And I feel as Maybe though we'll do this. <laughs> I feel as though I have gotten to a place in my life where having a clean home brings me great joy. 
And so I'm very committed to like having my kitchen and my bedroom be very clean. So my clothes are always put away. I When I do laundry, nothing like lands on like a dresser or on a chair. It always goes on a hanger or into a drawer. But one of the things that Marie Kondo talks about is actually how you fold your clothes and how to make them easily accessible. And I will say that is something that I probably need to work on mm. because my home is like fairly clean. It's probably not up to the standard of some people that I might know, but it is comfortable for me and isn't cluttered by any means. Yeah. But my clothing uh, uh, folding situation could use some condoing. So I'll probably be doing that soon. Yeah, ever since the show came out, uh, my Instagram story feed has just been people being like, I'm loving the show. <laughs> Here's what I'm doing. I've yes. adopted the, the folding method. The folding method is real. Like I thought, I, I roll everything and mm-hmm. I roll so I can see what it is, but I wear all black. So it's, uh, you know, easy. it's pretty easy. Uh, but her folding method is, is pretty legit. I feel like that's what I need for my t-shirt drawer. Yes. I have Actually, a lot it's of perfect for a t-shirt drawer because mm-hmm. all of it is made to stand up. Oh. That's the thing is that it makes it so you can stand it up and pull it out versus like rumble through it and try and find what you're looking for mm-hmm. or like have to like lift things to get under them. Like they should all be standing vertical and in lines. Love it. Yeah. It's really exciting. Very cool to watch. <laughs> I feel... Like, this is going to be super satisfying for me to tune into. Yes. I think you will actually get a lot out of this. I do it for the emotions. You'll do it for, for the method, <laughs> the tactic. <laughs> and that's why we're friends. <laughs> so, yes, that's mine this week. Love it. Give it to me straight, Brown. What are we talking about today? We are chatting about emotional intelligence. Woo! Sid did a paper for her, one of her past classes on emotional intelligence in the workplace, and we were very inspired by it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We, we thought it was a great, uh, a great topic, and I feel like it has a huge impact and is coming up a lot more often now about how we work today because so much of what we do is human-focused mm-hmm. and team-based and the work that you do with teams and how that dynamic can thrive. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because having emotional intelligence will make you a better coworker. Um, it but it has a capacity to help you be aware of control and express your emotions and to handle interpersonal relationships with uh, a lot more sound thought process of like, what am I doing? Why am I doing it? Why am I feeling the way that I'm feeling? And how can I be empathetic toward the things that you're dealing with? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm really excited to talk about this because honestly, when I picked this topic for my paper, it was because I was already late in getting my topic to my professor and we had to pick a topic that we had talked about <laughs> somewhere along the way in our class. Procrastination benefiting <laughs> Sid. Always. The future of Queen speaking. Always. And I picked this one because it was the one that I felt like I had commented. So we had an online forum and it was the one that I felt like I was the most interactive about mm. because I do think that it's a very important topic to to consider and understand and know how you contribute to it or don't contribute to it because it is, and this is much, I always want to see if it can work for both your personal and your work life. Today, we're going to really be talking about it in your work life because it's something that is somewhat lacking. Even if you don't 
work with people all the time, it is something to at least be aware of and understand and know that even if it's not your personal interactions with clients, it's your personal interactions with your coworkers. If you're remote, it's it can still work for you too. And that's why- And even um, from a self standpoint. Absolutely, absolutely. It's that self-awareness piece, which we'll get into, but this is one that I I forgot that I was so excited about. And when I remembered how excited I was about it and how awesome it is to think about and learn about and understand, it's just one of those things that you want to have as like a back pocket add to um, your work life, to your personal life, and, and how you can kind of help the people around you understand it better too. Yeah, and what I think is really cool about this is that these are actually skills that you can improve upon. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to talk through a lot of like why this is something that's valuable in the workplace um, and how you can actually put these tactics into practice and think about it a little bit more consciously um, depending on where, which areas you might need to work on. Absolutely, absolutely. Let's speak at Queens. Ready to speak at Queens. Why is emotional intelligence important in the workplace, Sid? For so many reasons. (laughs) EQ is infiltrating so much of what we do because we're becoming much more human focused. Yep. One of the things that I touched on in my paper, which I'll be referencing a lot because I'm very proud of it, (laughs) was that... (laughs) 4.0. Was that even with us going in a strong, like technology driven space, so much of what we do is technology driven, whether it be the way we communicate with our coworkers, our customers, the information that we're able to take from technology that we use, that means that we need to be even more um, aware of the way that we interact with the people around us because it becomes very easy to rely so heavily on technology. But humans still exist, we're still here, and we still need to be treated with love and respect. And so uh, EQ is a really uh, good way to understand what that looks like for you and in your workplace and in kind of going forward. Um, When we think about happy customers, thankfully more more companies are really realizing that happy customers happen because of the people they work with at your company. So hiring for EQ or like soft skills has become much more important. Um, And again, it's one of those things that you think you are born with and can't change, but they are. They are something that you can, like you said, improve upon, understand better, you might not be the like people person as person in the whole world, but these are things that you can you can learn to work toward just like any other skill. Mm-hmm. And just for everybody listening, um, EQ is in reference to emotional intelligence quotient. Thank you, Bron. <laughs> um, the other thing is that just in general, it's you're going to make better decisions. Mm-hmm. You'll learn how to resolve conflict without your emotions flaring high, mm-hmm. and you'll start to have empathy toward people. And I think that having that be the basis of you as a human in your workplace, people will see that and they'll recognize that. And it will help you grow in the company because a lot of these things are representative of great leaders. Yeah. Um, And I think just in general, too, it'll shift from you being this like, achievement-minded human being and more focused on what is it that intrinsically motivates you about the work that you do. How can you think about um, what you love about your job or the things that you're doing or what you're providing to your customers? And how can you use that to inspire uh, yourself Mm -hmm. and also support positivity 
among that like environment that you're you exist in on a daily basis and how like again how is that not a good thing right and i think that's what is a little frustrating sometimes is some people think of eq as sensitive or you know you're you're such a people person and you're so happy all the time when that's really not all it is. I mean, for some people, that's how they operate in, in their life, but that's not the sign of a person with great EQ. And that's what we're excited to talk about today is that um, there is this kind of narrow mindedness that comes around this topic because soft skills, some people associate to be like as a soft person, like you're soft spoken or you're so kind. And again, like those are great qualities, but they're not the only qualities of a person with EQ. What are some of the strategies for understanding emotional intelligence? I have mentioned in one of our past updates um, a book that I had read, Emotional Intelligence 2.0, which was such a good read and I highly recommend it. So we'll link to this book in our show notes. Um, They break it down into four main categories of um, how people exhibit um, emotional intelligence and You may be strong in one or two areas, um, but that also means, again, because you have the opportunity to develop these skills, you can work on certain areas. So there's always room for improvement. Um, And I think, as we've talked about, just thinking about how you're growing and how you're building your team and what you're working toward, leaders have such a high emotional intelligence uh, quotient. So thinking about how you can actually start to work um, work through these. And so the strategies that they talk through are self-management, self-awareness, social awareness, and relationship management. And so breaking down self-management is really thinking about your emotions versus reason. Um, you're controlling self-talk. You're actually setting aside time for yourself to problem solve and mentally recharge. Um, you're taking the time to visually visualize what success looks like for you you're taking time to pause and breathe because really when you're thinking about self-management in the sense of um having emotional intelligence is like what am i feeling and if i am highly reacting to this situation what can i do to like take a beat Mm -hmm. and figure out how to respond to this appropriately absolutely Um, From a self-awareness perspective, this is where you're like, I'm feeling the feeling. (laughs) (laughs) Always a good thing. (laughs) I know what pushes my buttons. Um, You're understanding why you do the things that you do. You're seeking feedback and taking that criticism constructively. And then also recognizing where your emotions show up in like pop culture. So you're seeing how um, it's represented in movies and books and music so that you can identify it in your own self, Hmm. Um, which I actually found really interesting when I was reading through that part of the the book because um, it actually helps you understand like, oh, I know how to react now because I saw someone do it well in this movie or I saw someone do this poorly and I do that too. And that's not good. That's very interesting. I never would have like put all of that together. Yeah. And so I think from the self-awareness standpoint, to be able to see your emotions reflected in the world is really helpful for you. So that's where it's like, it's a little bit of like observation too, of mm-hmm. like, I'm seeing myself in the world and how I exist. Um, but all of this really is like, let's slow it down. Let's yeah. like take a breather and figure out like where all of this is happening in, in the self environment. And then it shifts to the outside world. So having social awareness um, is where you're actually practicing those active listening skills that we've Mm, talked about so many times. We know what those are. Um, You're more attuned to body language. 
and you're really paying attention to, you're asking a lot of questions, um, you have the ability to step into people's shoes. Mm -hmm. And that's where empathy, I think, comes into play a lot of just like understanding certain rules of cultures and like the dynamic of the office space. And again, like being aware enough that you're existing without being in your head all the time Mm -hmm. and you know how to work a room. Yes. Absolutely. From the relationship management side of things, this is the opportunity for you to be open and curious more. Um, You're working on figuring out how to encourage feedback, um, maybe within your teams. Even if you're not in a leadership position, how is it that you can ask for that or promote that in the environment that you work in? Um, As you make decisions, you explain why you're doing something, not just doing it. So important. Which I think is so valuable because people feel like they're part of it when you do things like that. Um, And then a lot of times people with a strong relationship management ability have that like total grasp on understanding how to have tackle tough conversations and have those like be able to diffuse a situation responsibly and appropriately and solve problems without emotions getting the best of everyone because that can happen so quickly too especially like when you're fired up if it's not just like something good but when you have that that moment where you're like this could go one of two ways but it goes back to that self-awareness working with the relationship management and having it all kind of come together in that moment so true which is great there's a great article um, from Harvard Business Review that was co-authored by Daniel Goleman, who's actually the guy that kind of made a big splash with this research in 1995. And what you're talking about with those four main domains, mm-hmm. and then within those, what I really liked about this article is it gives you a really nice kind of like graphic that shows those, and then within it shows like 12 competencies that live underneath each one. Oh, yeah. That's so. Great. Yeah, so if you're looking for kind of the the quick look at it kind of a way, then you can find it in this article. And it does help kind of recalibrate you a little bit and understand, okay, what am I doing? What is this telling me I should be doing? And in what area does everything kind of live? Uh, And I found that really, really helpful. Thinking about how we put EQ to work, kind of putting um, emotional intelligence to work, there are two areas that for in this The paper that I wrote and then I think kind of translate to our work environment and thinking about what we do every day. And and then, you know, from the um, personal capacity standpoint, the um, places that they might show up the most that might be very helpful is in hiring and in leadership. Love it. And what you said earlier about kind of in leadership and how it doesn't have to just be the leader that exhibits these kind of skills, but for everybody to have these kind of skills, I always think that when we talk about leadership, it is everybody's responsibility to have leadership qualities, Mm -hmm. even if you're not the person running the ship. So I think like we talked about earlier, it's not necessarily just in that work environment. Um, It shows up a lot here, but a leadership mentality can show up kind of anywhere, which I think makes this, information even more valuable um, in addition to what you talk about that happens in the workplace. In hiring, there were a few things that there's there's a couple articles that we'll talk about. And again, use these for a research paper. <laughs> but um, I found these articles really helpful. But as the breakdown in hiring, 
um, for references. One of the things that this author talks about is to make calls to the references instead of just emails. So you're able to ask good questions, hear their tone, under kind of have an awareness oh. for how they're responding. Um, and it gives you an opportunity for you to not just do like straightforward, like bullet pointed um, answers from the person that's emailing you back. They have to kind of think through your questions. They're not on the spot because, you know, hopefully they know this person well enough to be a reference for them. Mm -hmm. But it does give you an opportunity to really hear them, hear their pauses, hear like where they're thinking through things, what their responses sound like. Um, And I thought that that was a really good, because I've been a reference for people and I've gotten emails and happy to send an email back. Um, But I would love an opportunity to share from like the authentic Um, honest place, how I'm really excited for this person to have this opportunity um, and really share that genuineness that doesn't always come through in an email. Um, So if you're in a hiring situation and you have an opportunity to reach out to references, making those calls actually can make a difference in understanding if the person you're hiring has that emotional intelligence that you might be looking for for the role. I love that. Yeah, that was one that was surprising. Because it's so easy to be like, poised and put together and like concise in an email exactly but if someone's asking you a direct question that's the opportunity for you to and especially as a hiring manager to be like "Ooh, we thought this person was super great and now mm-hmm. it's sounding like this might be a fluff answer instead They're of struggling to come up with something yeah real. yeah so like from a negative standpoint too of like this might be a no-go <laughs> and we're also interpreting that exactly exactly The other thing in hiring is um, using behavior event interviewing for the interview process, something I did not know anything about. This sounds intense. Super intense. (laughs) And and this is why hiring is so important and shouldn't just be like a, let me just make time for it when I have time. Mm -hmm. It should be a thoughtful, um, uh, intentional practice that you're doing and not just something you kind of like, oh, I've got to spare like 15 to 20. Let me just scoot someone in there. Um, because with behavior event interviewing, it's kind of it's kind of a lengthy process. So I'm going to try and do like a short step by step, even though it feels like something that should be really well thought out and really understood. And the article that we'll share really does do a nice job of doing a step by step, plus includes an additional article all about event um behavior event interviewing. So what you want to do is make the candidate comfortable and make sure the environment is relaxed and conversational. So you're right off the bat just getting someone like you're not trying to make it a scary kind of like I'm looking at you to see if you're the right person for the job kind of vibe, but really just much more relaxed. Like, hey, we're having a conversation. I just want to get to know you. Totally. So don't leave someone in a conference room with no room. Windows with no windows. Yeah. For 30 minutes before anybody comes in to have a conversation with them. Exactly. That does. <laughs> (laughs) not set the tone you're going for. Um, You're going to want to start with traditional questions that the candidate might be expecting, which you can find that list pretty much anywhere of just kind of the like, what's your favorite color? If you're an animal, what would you be? (laughs) Stuff like that. Tell me about yourself. Exactly. (laughs) Or that. (laughs) That works too. Um, After that, flow into asking the candidate to explain a positive and successful situation in great detail. Then go back over the story asking specific questions about pretty much everything they said. And that 
I feel like is difficult. And I'm sure you're fine to have like a pen and paper so you can take notes throughout the conversation. But you want to make sure that the first interaction is positive and a time where the candidate really felt successful in the situation. And then you're going to want to do that again with a a situation where the candidate was unsuccessful. And then again, where they felt successful. So again, like this is not a 20 to 25 minute conversation. This is like a full blown, at least an hour, I imagine. And what you're doing is, is especially when you're going back over in the detail and asking specific follow-up questions for things that they mentioned, it allows for all of those follow-ups and you can see how the candidate handles situations with stress and challenges and other people. Because if you're asking them appropriate follow-up questions to what they've just explained they're going to have to go into detail about those things like why was it stressful like what how did you handle that kind of stress and when it has to do with a team and you're really hearing how they work with a team in that situation like are they blaming someone are they taking all the heat on themselves are they like appropriately saying that it was a team dynamic and and all of it kind of came together at the end of the day Um, all of these are really telling signs of good or bad emotional intelligence on the part of the candidate and I was like that feels super (laughs) long-winded and really difficult but again if you're I think we've talked about this before, where hire, what is it, hire slow, fire fast. If you're rushing the hiring process, then you don't really want a good person on your team because it should take time to find the right person that comes in and has an appropriate um, flow and vibe and understanding of what your company culture is. Um, So I thought that was really good advice. And the last thing that they talked about was not using personality tests for the hiring process, (laughs) which I was like... Really? Because that feels like a good idea. And it was something that I didn't really consider until I read this, but personality tests judge your personality, which might not always reflect behavior in those 12 competencies that fall under the four domains. And so learning how to separate those things is going to be important when you're trying to find the right person that might have a great personality but have terrible emotional intelligence. And those don't always go together. I feel like it's so interesting too because I've done interviews before and a lot of times I'm asking a question not because I care about the answer but how they answer it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> and it's like how I'm trying to understand how you think or the way that you approach things or what you actually recall and it's just so interesting to realize that like if you are in an interview situation like that or conducting these interviews it really is like you have to think about like okay what also is a scenario that best represents me in a way that reflects my emotional intelligence and also my ability to do this job that's a lot (laughs) it's a lot to think about it really is when we think about the leadership component of all of this that's kind of where the personality test can come into play. And that's another thing that I kind of was a little surprised by. Not that they use personality tests in leadership, but to think of a personality test more as a development tool versus a deciding factor kind of a tool. And so that's kind of where that comes into play. Um, Daniel Goleman also talks about this emotional and social competency inventory test, (laughs) the ESCI 360. Whoa. Yeah. So that looks at the 12 competencies of emotional intelligence and then asks the people around that person to weigh in and rate them yes so i'm like oh my gosh so you can't fudge this like there's no like 
unless you scare the crap out of the people around you and they're terrified to tell the truth, this is the way that you can really understand where the gaps are in emotional intelligence and understand like what the people around you actually think of you versus what you think of yourself. Mm -hmm. Because as we know, a lot of people think they're really self-aware when research shows that you know, there's almost no one who's actually super, super self-aware. And I think that's really interesting. And this test specifically talks to that point where you think you know yourself, you're super emotionally aware, you're really understanding of other people. And then all of a sudden, the gaps that you're seeing are telling the exact opposite story. Um, So this test is really eye-opening, I imagine. Um, I want to take it. I do too. Uh, so emotional intelligent leadership is not just someone who's like what we talked about earlier. They're not just someone who's likable and sensitive, but also someone who drives change. And like you said, in those competencies can deliver difficult feedback. And that's not always like a soft and lovely person. That's Mm -hmm. someone who is ready to make people uncomfortable for the greater good of the company and of the team and of the customers that you serve. And one of the other articles that, um, I will, we will share, but it talked about, but it was from 2011. So I'm not sure how accurate it would be anymore, but it talked about some of the best, um, emotionally intelligent CEOs of top fortune 500 companies. And actually Jeff Bezos was on there and I was like, is he though? <laughs> that feels like it needs some reevaluating. But, um, but what they talk about is that they build a great team around them. And that is one of the like kind of cornerstones of being emotionally intelligent is mm-hmm. understanding like you don't get anywhere solo and that so much of the success of your company and the people around you are the people around you. Yeah. And I thought that was so smart and, and such a great point that leadership is about the whole, not the one. Um, And that's why this practice is used so much when it comes to leadership and really understanding who's ready for um, leadership roles or to just be a leader in general, like we talked about. Um, There's a lot to get into here and I love this topic and I think that there is even more we could just kind of dive headfirst into. But instead of doing that and saving everybody some time, um, we're going to share some of the other articles that I used in my paper just so people can get even more of a sense of um, kind of what comes with this now that we live in the technology age and then also some things that you might not think of as far as being things that you want to be aware of from the negative perspective mm-hmm. of emotional intelligence, because as I was surprised to find there is a negative side and people can like kind of abuse this trait um, if they um, if they want to. Ooh. So yeah. Manipulation. <laughs> Cliffhanger. <laughs> and you'll be able to find all of that in the show notes. Fabulous. Yeah. I feel like we're going to start to work toward uh these practices in our own workplace and work environment. And I think uh, I'm gonna update some of my hiring practices. Very interesting. I'm sure there's even more to get into around that like behavior event interviewing. And and she even says in the article, it takes a lot to practice it and you really want to actually practice it before you do it on someone because I imagine it's a little stressful. Um, But once you get there, think about how much information you are just able to gather to really understand who that person is that you're hiring, if they're good, if they're not a right fit, and all of that good stuff. Yeah. So, interesting mm-hmm. stuff. Get a 360 view of ourselves. It's great. Let's do that. Shall we break? Let's break. 
Feeling like a queen yet? Find us on Instagram and Twitter at queen underscore speaking and tell us all about it. Find episode links and show notes at queenspeaking.com. See you next week.